0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news This is episode 292 uh, on Tuesday the 3rd of December 2019 Hello, I'm Alan and I'm all on my own tonight Uh, (laughs) Yes, uh, his lordship was allowed out to speak to people uh, in public over the weekend And uh, yeah, he's obviously caught a disease so he has a disease, uh, which has meant that he's he's not really up to it tonight. So uh, it was quite late whenever we decided uh, on this course of action. So uh, if you don't get upset that you weren't asked, just because you know nobody was. So uh, yeah, it's just me. Not a huge amount of news this week, anyway. Uh, quite a lot of um, quite a lot of happy stuff. Um, yeah. We've got staff cuts at Daimler, we've got recalls all over, and we've got zombie cars uh, tonight. So uh, let's get on with it, rather than be sitting here waffling quite a lot. Um, Follow-up, of course, comes first, and there's a fair chunk of it this week. Uh, But the top story is really that the Volkswagen Dieselgate damages... Um, in the UK, the civil course, uh, civil course, the civil case uh, begins today. Uh, now, this is a weird one because we've long maintained that that it's going to be very, very difficult for the people at Slater and Gordon, who are the the law firm leading the class action lawsuit, to actually prove that anybody has been hard done by, and that there is indeed uh, any any course for uh, any sort of recompense. ...to Volkswagen uh, owners whose vehicles were caught in... ...been caught in the diesel, Dieselgate scandal. They've uh, been caught in the Dieselgate scandal. Uh, Volkswagen, of course, are, are saying that they're going to defend... Rough, ...robustly their position in the High Court... Uh, ...in a statement to Autocar. And added that VW Group maintains that there's never been... ...a, de- a defeat device installed in any of its vehicles in the UK... Slater and Gordon are claiming that there are 86,000 uh, people in their class action litigants in the class action action lawsuit, uh, and they're of course saying that it's all going to he- hinge on what uh, what the definition is uh, of a defeat device. Um, it's all very strange, I mean the thing is that, that one of the reasons why we've always said you know this is going to be a, a nearly impossible thing is that it's not as if the values of these vehicles have been have have been damaged uh, in any way shape or form it's not as if uh, it's not as if the owners have been out of pocket in any way shape or form if the the values had plummeted as a result of this reveal uh, then i could absolutely and totally understand why why people would be chasing for litigation uh, but as it stands I'm just not really sure that that it's it's going to stand up. Um, there was point. Uh, yes, here it is. Our clients tell us, the fix has made vehicles less fuel efficient. We've got to kind of prove your before and after, really. Has impacted performance again before and after, and resulted in instances of vehicles going to limp home mode in dangerous circumstances, which indeed is is pretty serious. But again, you've got to prove it was because of the fix. Uh, and finally, it's pushing for... <laughs> I love this term. Exemplary damages. Uh, which means giz money, Uh To punish Volkswagen for its alleged deceit. So, we'll see, what's, see what happens. This is not something that is going to be in and out of the court in ten minutes. Uh, so, we'll see just how long this, this goes on for. And what the outcome will be. I say all that, actually. And it could be in and out super quickly if it gets... Um, if the judge story is out relatively fast, but I doubt that's going to happen, uh, given it is relatively newsworthy. So we'll we'll keep on following that one, of course, and probably that will be follow up next week as well. The other great long trailing out follow up is, of course, Nissan and Renault. Uh, Hiroto Saikawa. Uh, who was CEO of of Nissan until he resigned in September, has been giving a series of interviews, uh, including one to Auto News Europe. Obviously, links to all the short stories that I cover tonight will be in the show notes, available at motoringpodcast.com. Yeah, lots of stuff. Uh, He doesn't feel like a scapegoat. Uh, he doesn't feel that the links between Renault and Nissan have ever been strong enough and Nissan's been ready for a merger. Um and that all of this stuff, the whole uh Carl stuff has, has really set them back a little bit. And that um and yeah, that they're, they're just not strong enough about to talk about strategic futures. Uh yes very interesting. I'm not going to read right the way through it, but do have a little bit of a look in the show notes uh, and just see uh, just see what's being said there. In other and related news, and the story seems to have disappeared from the Trello tonight, uh, is that there we go, is that uh, the Alliance, Renault, Nissan and Mitsubishi are going to, and this is according to Renault, accelerate operational efficiency of the Alliance and will appoint an Alliance General Secretary. Um, I I should yes. I I won't make fun of that in any way, shape or form. But essentially, they want a general secretary who's going to look after uh, all the alliance um, stuff. So the alliance executive will be key for coordinating and facilitating several major alliance projects. Um, so to coordinate across the board, uh, and they will report to the alliance operating board and the CEOs. So it's someone straight down from CEO who. Uh, who will help um, try and manage and oversee uh, everything across the alliance. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I doubt we'll know who it is uh, whenever they whenever it uh, the announcement comes through. But I think, as always, what will be interesting is the nationality and the background of whoever's appointed uh, to that particular role. Let's move on into new news. And sadly, it doesn't become any chirpier, I'm afraid, uh, as Mercedes has become the second Germany German company to announce major job cuts. Now... The headline numbers here are really quite high. So, Daniel, of course, parent company of Mercedes-Benz, and it's looking to to cut at least 10,000 jobs within the company, Uh, and as well as... I don't know. The way this uh, motoring research article reads, it's as well as uh, pledging to reduce the amount of management roles by 10%, but I don't know if that's within the 10,000 or not. But anyway, it's high numbers, uh, but they're... Aiming to do it by the end of 2022. Obviously, reducing headcounts, part of the changes. Lots we'll of see there's all the usual platitudes around improving efficiency and reducing overall costs uh, come in there as well. 10,000 out of uh, uh, from a company which currently employs almost three hundred thousand people around the world. Um, but these reductions should see Daimler save about one point four billion euros by the end of twenty twenty-two. Um which is you know they're trying to offset the reduction of profits in twenty eighteen really not easy to do this if you're a german company the trade the trades unions in uh in in Germany are incredibly strong uh, right across the board so yeah this is this is not an easy task, so what they're doing is relying on or at least they're hoping to rely on natural staff turnover um part-time retirement, voluntary redundancies, uh, all of these uh, kind of things to, to help reduce it so that there's as few uh, enforced redundancies as as possible. Uh, of course, uh, about half of Daimler employees are currently based in Germany. There is no further 26,000, however, employed by the company in the United States. I imagine, you know, labour laws in the US are very different to Germany, uh, but um, I would be, uh, I don't know, Germany makes so many of the SUV models. uh, uh, Sorry, try that again, Al. The US makes so many of the SUV models uh, for Mercedes that I would be surprised if there were redundancies there, really, um, given that that's actually where where, lots and lots of manufacturing is going on. Uh, Obviously, this follows on from Audi, Uh, who announced they were going to reduce its total number of employees by 9,500 by 2025. Both companies uh, have agreed to guarantee German jobs until 2029, uh, by the way. So, yes, not exactly a laugh a minute for Daimler at the minute. Uh, It doesn't get a huge amount better. uh, According to to the Spiegel uh, the other week, who haven't cited sources on this one? Uh, German transport regula- regulator, the KBA, is investigating the some software which is seen suspicious in its small diesel engines um, bought from Renault. Uh, so these are the engines used in the A and B class models. So I imagine it's the one point four. Uh, it's one point four. Pardon me, one point five diesel. Um, but not in smarts that share a Renault platform, so not in a four two or a four four, which is really all the smarts, I suppose. Um, Renault, of course, is denying things. Says engine. Says the engine management software was programmed by Mercedes, in the units that Mercedes used. So uh, yeah, it's uh, Renault seem to be pretty much declaring it SEP. So we'll see what happens there. There's no official announcement on that one. Uh, And also in massive recall world, uh, BMW is extending its diesel car recall yet again um, because there are concerns that faulty part presents a fire risk. In some cars, glycol can leak leak from the EGR cooler. That's exhaust gas recirculation uh, cooler. And mixed with soot deposits and high temperatures, you could end up with smouldering particles, which could mean that the intake manifold melts uh, and/or there are fires. There are so many vehicles covered by this. I mean, it's they've the recall's been span, expanded by a further 232,000 vehicles. If you drive a BMW diesel, Essentially, between November 20, built between March 2011, if it's a five series or a six series, up until December 2017, uh, and I would say pretty much any BMW diesel, then uh, I would check on the government. I would either check with your BMW dealership or check on the government recall website. There's a uh, DVSA. Uh, Website which will get you there um, will help you find, and, and I think you put in the VIN or the number plate and it will bring it up. So, do check, um, do please, do please check if you have a BMW diesel between the start of 2011 and the end of 2017. Right, let's move on from some of the doom and gloom. Well, you can argue whether this one's doom or gloom or not, uh, because transport manager George. F- Manager Transport Minister George Freeman has declared that he's in favor of a rollout of road charging in the future, according to Company Car Today. Um, he's yeah, uh, which I don't know. Um, road charging is a curious one, a tricky one, because obviously there is a difference between. Uh, driving on a near deserted Welsh lane at 9 o'clock in the morning uh, or half past 8 in the morning, let's say, and the M25 at half past 8 in the morning. Uh, so, you know, the mileage, the distance will have to depend on place and time. And there's a number of dimensions in there. But if that's done right, then it should be much, much fairer. Now, I'm a high mileage driver, by many people stand, most people standards, I'd say, I'm up a higher percentile anyway, because I drive what twenty odd thousand miles a year anyway, and uh, it does seem the fairest way to do it. As I say, there are many dimensions, but if it's worked out right, then then actually road usage um, is is the fairest way for people to pay, rather than the flat rate car tax, which there is at the minute. Obviously, with. Uh, the troubling side of this of course is that um with the with the move away from uh fossil fuel powered vehicles to uh, or directly fossil fuel powered vehicles how's about that um to ve- to more and more vehicles where you know there's the charging and the power generation happens elsewhere so to evs uh, to hydrogen to any of these things then of course the the government stands to lose out hugely when it comes to the revenue it gets from our fuel because you know we have a particularly high uh tax rate uh on our on our diesel and our petrol so yeah it's got to find some way to fill that gap over time whilst hopefully raising the same amount of revenue now one of the reasons of course that uh that the transport minister might be in favour of this kind of thing, is because of the absolute mess they made on moving moving uh, from paper tax disc. The upper estimates of loss, according to a story from motoring research, in road tax revenue are thought to be about £280 million. Uh, and that's despite ministers at the time claiming that it would cut costs and reduce tax evasion. Now, I'm going to hold my hand up here and say that i didn't realize one of my cars was untaxed it's easy to forget because there's nothing there to remind you there's no signal uh in the car i mean now i've got it sorted i have um i have alarms i have calendar entries for when stuff needs needs to be done when when vehicles need uh need tax and mot but you know for a while there and as part of the transition it was a bit of a mess uh The other thing is it's a great signal for police for any of these folk when a car is out there to just see if it's taxed or not i mean i know it's easy enough for us to check from the number plate and you know there's so much anpr around these days but that's not the point it's not as as quick and easy to do um and people have been caught out by this uh, even you know proper honest people just because it's so much harder to get a reminder of when your tax is due. And stupid things, like if you were going for the direct debit, certainly in the early days, it the direct debit didn't renew. If you went for a monthly direct debit, it didn't renew itself at the end of 12 months, so you didn't automatically get taxed, which caught out a lot of people as well. So, uh, yeah, easy enough to do. Easy enough to do. Of course, that's not a defence, because, you know, I guess we should know, really. Let's move on again. Again, though, uh, and good news this time because we're not quite at the uh, the SMMT uh, registration figures for November yet. Uh, I came across Tom Sharp at Auto- or from Automotive Management. Uh, has put out an article on European registrations. Now, it is listed throughout this. I'm just having a quick check. It does seem to be registrations, not sales, just to make that clear. Yeah, registrations. The numbers from JTO Dynamics, and what's happened is that Europe has registered its best October new car registrations for a decade. Okay. Overall... Uh, the number of new vehicles registered in Europe uh, were, was up 8% uh, year on year. There are only three countries out of 20 odd, 27 um, markets that recorded any kind of fall, and the UK's was the smallest of those. So remember, last month we were down 6.7%. In comparison, Norway are down 10.3%, and Lithuania is up 11.5%. The highest rise has in October was Romania, which is up 57.3%. And their registrations are up 18.8% on the year to date, uh, with 134,694. By the way, that sounds really, really high, but it's still only half of the number of registrations that Germany alone had. Uh, in October, uh, which put it up 12.8%. So uh, Germany in October registered 284,926 cars. Uh, that actually put us in fourth place. Just scan through the number. I hope that's right. Uh, so the the highest registering uh, countries in in October were. Germany by a significant margin, almost by almost 100,000 over France at 188,000 ish plus cars. Italy 157,000 and the UK 143,300. And for who came next? I saw another high one. Spain 96,899 and then Poland with 44,000. And then it dropped tails off pretty significantly after that, um, but yeah, Ireland registrations up twenty nine point five percent, Sweden up twenty eight point four percent. Really quite high numbers there. Um, worth pointing out, SUV made up the SUV classification made up forty point one percent of all uh, of all of those registrations. That's really really quite. Um, that's really quite uh, misleading, of course, because that's all sizes of anything, which could of any kind of jacked-up vehicle uh, is in SUV there. Compact SUV makes up 79% of that 40.1%. That's quite significant. Subcompacts, compacts, city cars come next. Uh, so that's, what kind of size is that? That's uh, Yaris next, followed by Golf or Polo and then Golf. And then city cars, that's up uh, and then after that we're on to midsize etc uh how are we doing for alternative fuel vehicles 9.6 uh, percent of registrations were alternative fuel vehicles uh headed by the wow totally led by by toyota in there when it comes to hybrids uh hybrid electric vehicles uh Corolla Yaris chR rav4 and then evoke came in at uh at fifth i guess that's a mild hybrid Plug-in hybrids Outlander 3 Series E-Class Porsche Cayenne and the XC60 And battery electric vehicles It was Zoe Golf Leaf i3 And then 4.2 uh, In there Uh, Volkswagen of course uh, Most popular brand uh, Followed by Peugeot So Volkswagen up 29.1% Year on year Peugeot up almost 2% Mercedes up 1.4 1.4 Renault up 16, uh, so lots of different drop differences there. Opel and Vauxhall down 27.5%. Porsche, 25th most uh, registered brand uh, last month across Europe, 8,819 vehicles up 395%, which is a, a fair old chunk. Uh, Mazda up 20% too. Uh, naturally top 10 vehicles uh, registered Skoda Octavia, Citroen C3 Peugeot 208, uh, Renault Capture, Toyota Yaris in at 6th Volkswagen Tiguan at 5th Fiesta in at 4th unlike here in the UK Polo at 3rd, Clio at 2nd and Golf unsurprisingly number 1. 34,362 Golfs registered up 6.4% And what's that? That's 15,000 more than the Renault Clear. That's for a vehicle where I noticed UK journalists were driving its successor uh, today. So very much end of life and yet still way ahead up at the top there. And I think I've just about killed that article. Sorry about that. I think I've probably waffled on far, far, far too much. That brings us to guilt minute or thereabouts i think it's rather more than halfway through uh today but guilt minute for the next few weeks is going to be a little bit different we would still love you to join our Patreon. we would still love you to like and subscribe to our shows on your podcast players of choice But what we would really, really like you to do to show your support right at the minute is to actually fill in this year's reader survey. Why are we asking you to fill in a survey? I hear you cry. Um, Well, really what it's going to do is a couple of things. First of all, it gives us feedback on the show. Uh, Last year's was really, really helpful for us. You'll notice some things like a shortening of the length of time we spend on the SMMT figures, which I just completely undid a couple of minutes ago. Uh, And... (laughs) But despite that, uh, so it lets us know what you think about the show, and what's really good is it lets us know about what you think of the show in a completely anonymous fashion. The other thing that this survey is going to do, and it is, uh, it is in, it is, it's run by a company called Podtrack. Uh, Podtrack provide us with our statistics for our um, just how many. How many of you there are, how many uniques there are out there, uh, how many people listen, how many downloads, where you're from, all that kind of stuff, which it can collate anyway, it just does it um, via the RSS feed. Um, but what would be really helpful is some demographics from you as well. That would be fantastic. And there's two reasons for this. The first one, is, let's just show car manufacturers. Basically, people we want to go to to say, can you help us make more and better content? The kind of people who listen to our show. Okay? Basically, it's trying to prove that we don't have these numbers because you're you're an awful lot of Russian bots. That's it. The second thing is, similar reasons, but one of our aims for 2020 is to try and get actual advertising. Okay? In a good decent way not just something plugged in trying to flog you you know subscription subscription organic prepare at home mattresses and all the other things that you find um that you find podcasts pimping at you uh, on a very very regular basis so if you could take a few minutes to fill in the survey that would be absolutely brilliant um it's it matters a lot. It's not financial. It's not any of these things. But it is mm, five to ten minutes of your time to do it once, uh, and that also gives you an opportunity to tell us what you think. I mean, so many of you are great. You tell us anyway. You tell us on Twitter. You tell us to our faces. Um, you. You. Yeah. It, it's great. We, we have fantastic listener interaction. Um, but no, it, it, it's always great. It's one of the, the huge strengths we have on, on this show. And, and really, you guys are the strength. So if you could, please uh, go to our website, motoringpodcast.com uh, slash support, or uh, just click uh, on the homepage. There should be a button on the right-hand side, provided I spent 40 minutes messing around properly earlier on, which now says audience survey! If you could go to motionpodcast.com, click Audience Survey and, and spend a little while doing that. The survey is completely anonymous. Okay? Just to write it's completely anonymous. There's no names, that kind of data. It does ask for ages and all these kind of things, though. Um but yeah, it's 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 cracked windscreen approved. Okay? So it can't be that bad, really. So yeah, survey would be would be great. So that's me kicking it off officially today with far too many words uh, and lots and lots of confusion, I'm sure. But yeah, motoringpodcast.com. Click on the audience survey button uh, on the right-hand side of, of our homepage. And if you can spare a few minutes to do that, that would be just genius. It covers both uh, rear view and your news show. Pick which one you listen to. Pick both uh, if you listen to both. Uh, and you should be able to to work your way through that. That'd be genius. I shall now stop waffling. Uh, Formula E news. Uh, not a lot of Formula E news, really. They had the kickoff in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, which Rich and uh, Rich and Andrew talked about last week. Uh, however, this week it was announced that it will be granted full FIA World Championship status for the twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one season. I honestly don't really know um, quite what that brings to it in any way, shape, or form. But it is, again, it's another good sign about it being taken seriously um, by the FIA, who've had the name against it right from the start. And, um, yeah, it shows that it's it's going from strength to strength. and, And, yeah. Excellent. Well done. What else do we have in this part of the show? We've got a lunchtime read. Lunchtime read, I'm always on about autonomous vehicles on here. And it's very easy to light uh, light Andrew's uh, touch paper and set him off if you mention autonomous vehicles on Twitter, as I'm sure many of you are aware. Uh, But there's an interesting article here from Jalopnik, and it's Aaron Gordon. Uh, from earlier in the month and it was and it's about a chap called some research performed by a chap called Mustafa Harb and it was to try and work out how people would actually use autonomous vehicles if they existed blah 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 all the Andrew, Andrew friendly caveats are in there and what he did was instead of just sending out a survey they took a set of people and they said look Here's a chauffeur. You have a chauffeur for a certain number of hours a week, and you can use them, whatever you, for whatever you want. So if you need someone to go, you know, just collect some, some groceries that have been pre-ordered, then do that. If you need them to go pick up your cars from school, to just use, however you want, uh, sixty hours, sixty hours a week. There you go. That's what it was. Um, and they could do. They could do journeys when you as the occupant were in the car. They could do it with you in the car. They could do it with anyone else you wanted. So it was to try and simulate that sort of aut- autonomous vehicle use instead of a personal robot. And they wanted to then see how people would use them uh, and things. And what was interesting was uh, just the actual behavior in there. This is a long-form article. Do go and have a read because the outcome of it and just people's behavior and the way many people actually use the vehicles um, was very, very interesting. Uh, Yeah, from a social point of view as much as anything else. It's such a simple, simple way to actually find out how people would use AVs as opposed to just sending out a questionnaire. So super practical uh, and really clever. I will say... The downside was that the number of people uh, there were a lot of what they're calling zombie miles being done which means that the owner was not in the car or there was not an additional person in the car other than in this case the driver. So with an AV it would be running empty to go and do things. Uh, and of course that May even increase the number of miles that a vehicle does, and the number of vehicles on the road at any one time, uh, as opposed to to actually decreasing it. But yeah, go go have a read. It's 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 a couple of thousand words, but it's it's worthwhile of of sitting with a sandwich or a salad at your desk, and and having a browse through it. Um, link as ever will be in the show in the show notes but it's called uh, zombie miles and napper weekends have a week with chauffeurs showed the major flaw in our self driving car future look it up have a read it's it's cracking stuff really good stuff Uh, list of the week this week is from motoring research and it's subject close to my heart as someone who spent Fair chunk of last weekend, starting to remove an engine from a car, and it's fourteen ways to make your car last longer. Now, it, to most of our listeners, this will be you know absolutely sensible, can do it, you know, you know it with your eyes closed uh, type stuff. Maybe the kind of the kind of article that you forward on to someone else, but it's all pretty sensible stuff. Sticking to your servicing schedules. Topping up your fluids, for example. That would be clever. Check your engine oil. Uh, Check your filters, spark plugs, tyres. Keep it clean. Use a garage. Don't carry loads of junk around in it. Drive smoothly. Use your car, which I think is an interesting one. And not just that. Use all the stuff your car can do. So, you know, raise and lower the electric windows. Open and close the sunroof. Run your air corn every now and again. Even if you're not a fan of these things. Just because a used car will invariably run better than one that isn't. So do use everything. I thought that was an interesting one in there. Uh, Keep the battery healthy. Don't scrimp on parts. Don't rust-proof your car. don't don't rust-proof your car. Do rust-proof your car. And um, don't modify it. I'm glad I don't do that either. That would be bad. Which brings us to the... And finally, uh, finally this week... What do we have? It's Auto Advent nineteen. Hashtag Auto Advent nineteen has has started. So the annual Auto Advent is is happening. Uh, John Mail on Twitter uh, will be setting a fiendishly horrible question every single day. Now I I just can't get these. My brain doesn't work the right way. If you want, if you've if you don't already follow at Mister J J A Y D E M, so it's J M R J A Y D E E E M, and people laugh at me and the way I pronounce my Twitter handle. On Twitter, you really should. And uh, yeah, there are two. There's Auto Advent every day, and there's Auto Advent Light uh, as well for those of us who just can't get the really, really cruel and evil ones. Um, yeah. Worth following anyway. Uh, worth following even more for these kind of things. Oh, at the same time, Petrol Blog is doing a Shatch of the Day uh, <laughs> as as their Advent calendar. So thanks, Gav. So showing a Shatch back a day uh, up until Christmas. Uh, there are some truly appalling. Uh, we're only three into it, and they're just just terrible. The Honda Brio Amaze. Uh, was yesterday's and today's was the Chevrolet Classic the Brio, I just have no idea how you describe that, it's like an ugly slashy jazz saloon Um, the Chevrolet Classic is a Corsa B uh, with a boot if you thought the Corsa B couldn't get any uglier you are wrong yep that's it for uh, this week uh, what's in the parish notes uh, da, 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 da. thanks for last week uh, to Rich obviously um, the what else uh, Peugeot Rifter uh, the review came out last Friday if you ever want to hear Andrew get about as gooey as he ever has done over a press car uh, and try and actually defend a vehicle that doesn't have curry hooks. Then that's the one to listen to. Uh, it's actually really <laughs> he says. Then going, it's actually really quite interesting. Uh, no, it is uh, genuinely. So you yeah, know, real life motoring for real life people uh, on that one. So do have a listen to that. It should be just before this one uh, in your feed if you subscribe to Podcatcher. If not, then uh, then do have a look. On the site, those ones normally appear with a picture. Um, So, yes, motoringpodcast.com for that. That's me for... this week don't forget that between now and next week you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities please don't forget about our survey or our patron both of which are available at motoringpodcastcom slash support and please as always leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing it really does matter Andrew, I'm sure, will be rising like Lazarus from his deathbed tomorrow. Uh, But to get in touch with him, uh, do search for Cracked Windscreen on Twitter. And the best way to get in touch with me is to use Twitter as well, where I'm at AJPBradley. B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley, and he who's not here has been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.